From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today for a discussion of all things taxes is Peter Cohn, CQ's budget and tax team editor. Welcome back, Pete. Good morning, David. And we wanted to dissect two of the brewing battles on the tax front today. One is the controversial limit that was imposed on the deduction for state and local taxes. That was part of the Republicans' tax code overhaul that passed in 2017. And the other is the push by the administration to index capital gains taxes for inflation. So let's start with the deduction on state and local taxes, Pete, because as part of that tax code, Republicans impose this $10,000 limit on the amount that can be deducted for state and local taxes on your federal return. That was very unpopular in some of the high-tax states run by Democrats like New York and New Jersey. So what's the latest on that battle? Where are we? Well, nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, that provision is, is in law. It, everyone kind of felt it for the first time this year. I think the, you know, the, the initial reaction when the law first passed was that this, this provision was going to be a killer in, in some of those states that you, that you mentioned, David. But, you know, I think what we've seen in, in some of the data is that, um, you know, really, by and large, everybody got tax cuts out, out of this 2017 law. Um, the people that really are feeling the pinch from the state and local tax deduction are very, very wealthy people, um, people earning well in excess of a million dollars. Uh, and and this sort of narrow band of people in the kind of hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollar group, mostly people, mostly households without any kids, because the households with kids that are in that in that territory, that income territory, got these very large child tax credits out of the uh, out of the twenty seventeen law. So it is kind of a, a, a it's a much smaller universe than I think a lot of people might expect. What happened with the twenty seventeen law also was they they really they greatly limited the reach of what what's called the alternative minimum tax, um, which is was intended back in the late 60s to make sure that the richest people in America were, were paying at least some uh, income tax. Over time, that really grew by leaps and bounds because it was never indexed for inflation. The 2017 law got rid of that, uh, limited only to, to, again, very wealthy, sophisticated households. So the net effect of all this is really that, yes, there are a lot of very rich people that got hit the tax increase in, in high-tax states like New York, New Jersey, California, uh, as a result of this, this cap on state and local deductions. Um, and then there are some people, yes, in that kind of middle class, upper middle class territory making o- over 100000 um, between 100000 and 200000 who uh, are not benefiting from the relief from the AMT, the alternative minimum tax. But, you know, I think if you really look at this objectively, it, what it is is a, is a, is a uh, a tax hit on the ultra rich in coastal states that that pay a lot that pay a lot of tax. So where things are now is that yes, some of those states like New York and, and New Jersey, California, have tried to limit the impact um, of this cap by by allowing. There's some, been some proposals out there, and this is what Senator Schumer um, was going after. We'll talk about that in a minute, but to basically say that you can donate to, to ch- a charity, a quote-unquote charity, meaning a state or local entity that is then going to, to do public services w- with that money. And then because it's a charitable donation, you get to then take that uh, deduction uh, on your federal returns, a charitable deduction on your, on your federal tax returns, and the state, meanwhile, will give you a tax credit for it. Okay? So it's sort of a way to get around this $10,000 limit. 
Correct. Okay. Right. And so the IRS has this rule that it's trying to put in now to, to crack down on this, but Senate Democrats don't like it, right? Right. It's supposed to take effect, I believe, next week. Um, and right, the Senate Democrats, led by Senator Schumer from from New York, uh, are are saying no. We don't we don't think this rule should take effect. And so what they're doing is they're trying to use something called the Congressional Review Act, mm-hmm. which is a law on the books that allows members of Congress to overturn administration regulations that come out once they're made final. You have a limited time period to do it. It's about it's sixty legislative days or calendar days. I can't remember legislative which days. One. Legislative days. And you have to act uh, in that in that time period, or the ability to overturn that rule uh, using that law expires. Yeah, and I think we have Senator Schumer speaking to this issue in in announcing his plan to try to overturn this IRS rule. Let's listen to him in a minute. And on the issues where Republicans continue to stymie progress, Democrats are going to force the issue. In September, we'll be putting Republicans on the spot with two CRA votes. One, to protect Americans with pre-existing conditions from junk insurance plans, and another, to help middle-class homeowners who have been devastated by the administration's new rules on state and local tax deductions. So, Pete, what's your guess? Can they overturn this? Where do, where, where do you think this stands? So, probably not. I mean, for, so for, first thing they have to do, they, they had about 10 co-sponsors, I believe, on the day that it was introduced. They need to get to 30 signatures on a, on a petition to basically pull this, this resolution out of the Committee of Jurisdiction and then and put it straight on the floor. So if they, do, if they get the 30 signatures, they can go to the floor and then they can force a debate on it. It's limited debate, no amendments, no filibuster. So you just need a simple majority vote to pass it. And then there's So a, they would get a floor vote. They would get a floor if they if they get enough people and they right. it sounds like they probably could get to 30. There're probably enough Democrats who who would say, you know, look, this is um, uh, not a good idea. Now, they do have the Democrats do have a bit of an optics problem on this issue. Overturning this this deduction in whatever form is really nothing but a subsidy for the very rich in this country. Now, yes, there, are there some households that are not so rich that could potentially benefit Yes. So yeah, you, I mean, you're looking at, a, at a, you're looking at pure windfall either way. But really, the the benefits of this provision, to of repealing this provision of the tax law, accrue almost exclusively to the richest people in America. So the Democrats really which have to be. Which is the very, argument? Which is the argument we've heard some Republicans make on this? I mean, if you look at all all of the objective data on this, from the Joint Committee on Taxation, the Tax Policy Center, which is a left leaning organization, uh, all the groups that have looked at this uh, all agree. That the state and local tax deduction, you know, in its unlimited form, was nothing but a pure transfer of wealth to the richest people in America and largely from lower tax states to higher tax states. So, yes, do I think the Democrats could probably round up the signatures they need to force a vote on this? Then they would need to get a simple majority. I don't know if they can get there on the floor of the Senate because, you know, you may have one or two Republicans who would be, who would be interested in, in doing something and joining with the Democrats. So it's possible you get to uh, a bare majority to pass it. The House has its own resolution, so they could move at any time, essentially. But it becomes an incredibly politically dicey situation for them to really go out and make an issue of this. Because again, what are you doing? By passing anything to, un- to unwind that, uh, that state and local deduction limit, you're just, you're giving money to the richest uh, households in America. That, and that's really all okay. there is to it. It sounds like it would be a tough and maybe unlikely uh, 
floor fight. Though. Well, if it, and, and then at in the, a Republican-controlled Senate, after all, it would be tough to, in the Senate. The House could probably pass it, but let's just, let's assume the both, both the House and the Senate, and the Senate pass the same identical resolution. What happens? It lands on President Donald Trump's desk. Is he going to sign that? He's from he's from New York, you know. So I think yeah. he's got some sympathy for the people who pay a lot of taxes in in the five boroughs. <laughs> but does um, he want to unwind his own tax exactly. code overhaul? Exactly. You know, I mean, I think all of his advisors would say absolutely not. It's not a good idea. It's going to look terrible, first of all, and this kind of plays into what we're going to talk about next. But I think you know there is an interest on the part of this administration in at least appearing to not be for pure transfers of wealth to the, to the wealthiest households in America. And so okay. it's not a good it's not a good look for for any side really to be doing this. Um, now it's understandable that a lot that if some of these states are really chafing under this limit, because you know it's not just the fact that there are some people who are getting squeezed by this cap on deductions, but you have very very wealthy people who pay a lot of tax in those states, who are saying you know what forget it I don't want to live here anymore, I want to move out of New York State I want to move to Florida where taxes are a lot lower. And you know what? They can get away with that because they're so rich. They can pick up stakes and just and, so and move. that's enough to make New York and New Jersey pretty nervous. And California, and right. California. And, yeah, and, and other states, they're, yeah. you know, they, they face potentially, you know, a flight of people out of those states into places like Arizona, Texas, Florida, much better tax environment. Okay, so that's that fight. And then there's this other interesting issue that's brewing, on capital gains taxes, what is the administration trying to do on that? I think it's it's a misnomer to say the administration is trying to do anything right now. There, there are voices within the administration that are pushing this, and there are other voices in the administration that are that are not so interested in this. The push is really coming from the grassroots, anti-tax, uh, Americans for Tax Reform, led by Grover Norquist, longtime. You know, yeah. famed anti-tax advocate going back to the Reagan years has really kind of orchestrated the push from a lot of different groups from U.S. Chamber of Commerce, National Federation of Independent Business, uh, which represents smaller kind of closely held businesses. Um, so it's large businesses, small businesses. Um, you know, there are all kinds of, of – uh, and, and, and about 20 senators I think are on a letter now to the administration, to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to say, look – you, know, you have the ability to do this. And so what they want to do is essentially index your, your cost basis on capital gains. And what this proposal would do is say, okay, uh, we're going to remove inflation from that calculation. So what that means is if you hold a stock for five years, you bought a stock five years ago, you want to sell it today, and it's increased in value by a, by a certain amount, under our current law, you would get taxed on the difference. You bought a stock for $10 and it goes to $20. The gain, the capital gain is – you doubled your money. Right. That, the capital right. gain is $10. You get taxed on that. Right. And the rate of capital gains is different depending on how much money you make. Right. The top rate right now is 23.8% on, on people who make I think above 400 and you – know, households earning about $490,000 a year. Um, so what they want to do is remove inflation from that so that if you bought the stock five years ago at $10, um, and today that $10 with inflation would be worth, say, $20, and you sold the stock for $20, boom, you've erased your capital gain. You sell the stock, no capital gains tax, 
right? So you that's see a how that big works? difference. That's a big difference yeah. in people's taxes. Exactly. Yeah. And so they use this example of you bought Coca-Cola stock in 1998. This is in Ted Cru- Senator Ted Cruz from Republican of Texas is kind of leading the effort on the Senate side. He uses the example of you buy Coca-Cola stock in 1998. You bought it for $32. Uh, today you sell it for $48. You normally you'd be taxed on that $16 capital gain, right? Right. Under this proposal, you would now, since the value of that $32 in 1998, today would be about $50, and you sell it for $48, presto, you actually, you're taking a loss on that because you're selling it for $48 when your purchase price is really, your adjusted purchase price is really $50. Yeah, so there's a big difference here. Is, yeah. is, is the administration prepared to push that right now or or or? We're no, just... I mean, our, our, our understanding is no, they're not, because the Treasury Department and, you know, Stephen Mnuchin has, uh, there's a legal opinion uh, drafted from back when the Bush, the George H.W. Bush administration was looking at this in the early 90s. There's an opinion that says Treasury does not have the, the authority to do this without Congress. Um, there are a lot of other people, a lot of legal scholars, some of them who are on the payroll of some of these groups that are pushing this change. Um, are saying, no, that's absolutely false. We've scrubbed the statutes and Treasury absolutely has the, the ability to do this administratively. So you've got people like Larry Kudlow, who's chairman of the National Economic Council uh, in the White House, who is a long time, you know, he, he, taxes can't be low enough for Larry Kudlow. You know, so people like Larry Kudlow are saying, look, we need to, we need to, to examine this because people are really getting penalized by uh, inflation. And of course, so. even if the administration were to propose this, uh, it would be dead on arrival in the Democratic House, right? Well, it doesn't matter if the administration actually goes forward with it and they can do it administratively. They try to do it administratively. You know, but Congress doesn't need to do anything. But wouldn't we see a similar legislative effort to overturn that regulation? Well, it w- we don't know if it's a regulation or not. It could just be could take the form. Of, I mean, it, this, the CRA, the Congressional Review Act, is is a kind of a murky thing. So there have been some CRA resolutions on things like guidance rather than a, a formal regulation. So it's unclear. Okay. Now, so would they try to overturn it? It's possible. It would. You know, now <laughs> Senator Schumer himself, I mean, the, the advocates of this point to a 1992 floor speech you know, in, when Senator Schumer was a member of the House where he supported indexing capital gains oh. for inflation. <laughs> so, you know, he's got a lot of New York uh, constituents. Um, okay. So we'll see about the politics. But yeah, I mean, it's but that's one of the reasons why it's not getting widespread traction within the administration including with, with the Treasury Secretary, because it, it really is a transfer. That would be another transfer of wealth to the richest people in America. I mean, I think of all the capital gains in this country, um, something like 70% of it, at least in the last year we have data available, was earned by people making more than a million dollars. So, I mean, the people who own the capital assets in this country are generally the richest right. people. Right. And the people, the very rich they in fact get most of their of their income from capital gains, right. which is already taxed at the lower at a lower rate. So you know this is a not a good again. The politics aren't good for the Republicans on this. You know it's a much better uh, issue for the Democrats than say the salt issue, the state and local tax deduction issue. Yeah, and on that point, Pete, some of the Democratic presidential hopefuls have actually called for increasing the capital gains tax rate. In fact, John Delaney, the Maryland, former Maryland congressman, uh, made a big deal out of that at a recent CNN debate. Let's play a little of what Delaney said about the capital gains tax. The real solution is to raise the capital gains rates. There is no reason why people who invest for a living 
should pay less than people who work for a living. That's ridiculous. It's the biggest loophole in our tax code. We act like wealthy individuals are endangered species. And if we don't raise, if we raise their taxes, they won't invest. That's crazy. I assume, though, no, uh, any, any effort to increase the capital gains tax rate would await a Democratic president. Oh, yeah, it would have to. Professionals in, in this area have said that what happens when you start raising the rate past about 30% on capital gains is that nobody sells their, their assets anymore because they don't, they don't want to pay they the tax. They want to pay the tax. So right. you start losing revenue. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a great talking point for these candidates to make to say we need to, you know, dramatically raise the capital gains tax rate. We're going to, you know, like Bill de Blasio said, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. Right. You all saw that in the debate. We're right. going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. Part of that is raising the capital gains rate. But you get to a point where you're not actually actually raising any any revenue out of it. So, the you know, getting from here to the re, to the reality is, is a long, long way to go. But it's all about winning the primary. So it, it makes things easier. OK, so we'll be watching how these tax battles unfold when Congress returns in September and CQ will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Peter Cohn, CQ's budget and tax team editor, for joining me. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week.